Anna DeVlantis joins us now this week in Chicago history. And it was this week in 1983, the last time an incumbent Chicago mayor lost. Right, Anna? Yeah. Isn't it incredible? Think back to the momentous city elections of years gone by. 1983 was when Harold Washington, Bob, beat incumbent Jane Byrne. And also, don't forget, Cook County State's attorney Richard M. Daley was in that race, future mayor. But he went on to beat them. He beat Republican Bernie Epton in the general and then became the first black mayor of the city of Chicago. It's interesting, Bob, because Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis may want to take notes how he did it by building a multiracial coalition of progressives tired of the same old, same old in the city. And, you know, just kind of like also bothered by this whole thing. Does this sound familiar? That the city doesn't work for me. It's not working for everyone. There were insiders and outsiders and haves and have-nots. And it was a tale of two cities. If you listened to Brandon Johnson last night, you heard that exact rhetoric. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, Washington vowed to broaden the tent, city jobs, opportunities, invest in city neighborhoods. And uh, he that's where he picked up his support. Mayor Washington came up through the ranks. He was a precinct captain, county prosecutors, is in the state house and Congress. He wasn't a political newbie by any stretch of the imagination, but he also wasn't the machine. And the machine didn't like him. He didn't like them. We pulled one of Harold Washington's campaign ads, um, Bob, here that I think stands out for just how straightforward it was. It was one of his most running, uh, the, the most highly running uh, campaign ads that you saw during the primary in 1983. Only one candidate for mayor has represented Chicago in both Springfield and Washington. Only one candidate has dealt successfully with big city problems in both state and federal government. Only one candidate knows how to get the money and jobs Chicago needs. So what's to keep us from making this candidate our next mayor? Nothing. Elect the one candidate qualified to be the mayor. Harold Washington. We can all win. That was a pretty simple message, wasn't it? <laughs> There's no mudslinging in that, nothing. It was just, you know, here's who I am and, and take me, embrace me. And people did, you know. it. Um, sadly, of course, Washington uh, didn't make it but seven months through his second term. He tragically collapsed at City Hall, but he had such a lasting legacy on the city, inspired generations of future leaders. Mayor Lightfoot, you often heard, she talked about inspiration she drew from Washington. Chief Judge Tim Evans was a protege, and former President Barack Obama came to work as a political organizer in the city while Mayor Washington was mayor. Pulled a bonus clip here. I just I just loved hearing this one, Bob. Maybe you will, too. It's, it's from the last interview Mayor Washington gave while in office uh, before he died. The last one-on-one interview, I should say. Here it is, speaking about his legacy. What would you like to seriously see your, your legacy be? Among other things, now hear me, an appreciation for a process Democracy is not a goal. It's not so many pounds of this or ounces of that. Democracy is a process which is designed to bring out the broadest possible spectrum of opinion for the purpose of making public policy and decisions. His his speaking, I mean, it was mm. fun to hear him talk. He had a great personality, and we all went to the dictionary totally. usually after one of his <laughs> Interviews, didn't right, he's we? a Northwestern law grad, and he was so thoughtful, and he understood people. It, it was just, it is remarkable to go back and watch his speeches. I'd recommend that to anybody who's interested. Here in Chicago, we're about to celebrate a city birthday, aren't we? 
happy birthday, Chicago. March 4th, Bob, is when we celebrate it. So uh, grab a piece of uh, Eli's cheesecake or a slice of deep dish, whatever you do. Uh, but March 4th is when the Chicago Charter was approved by state legislature. Interesting to note, though, even though we supposedly celebrate the 186th birthday uh, this weekend, the Tribune calls that the fake city birthday. because They said 1833 is actually when the city was given the name Chicago, placed on the map. Uh, you know, it's just the problem is they don't have an exact date from 1833, so they choose the charter date, which is in 18, uh, 1837. So it's kind of interesting, though, because over the years you go back and you see these huge celebrations the city held for using that 1833 as the year for the city's birthday. There was a ginormous celebration for the 100th in 1933, but at some point it switched and that's just kind of how we do it now. You know, of course, if you think about it, really, the earliest settlers were here way before the 1830s, and John Baptist uh, de Sable settled the city back in 1780. So we know all that history, but, you know, hey, celebrate this weekend if you care to do so. And, uh, you know, however you want to do that, Bob. It's kind of fun. Good, his- good history <laughs> lesson. And uh, hard to believe that pol- that polar plunge uh, this week uh, celebrating uh, what is it the 23rd anniversary of this thing yeah have you ever done it bob have you ever done the polar plunge uh, are you kidding <laughs> no <laughs> i knew the answer i knew that was true but i just wanted to ask so it's it's it, i haven't done it either i've covered it i've seen it and boy these people are brave uh, but back 23 years ago a few hundred people jumped into the icy waters of lake michigan and they you know in february in your swimsuits or your fun costume whatever it is they call it freezing for a reason and it's it's interesting because you just think even last year coming out of the pandemic they raised 1.8 million dollars for special olympics from that one event so um really really a successful campaign this weekend i believe is the chicago polar plunge so still time still time to sign up bob (laughs) our next guest a legendary performer whose latest album is entitled live from chicago an audience with the queen ladies and gentlemen please welcome coco taylor Letterman doing the intro, and Anna Devontis now taking us back to this week in 1966. The great blues women, the great the stage. 1966, that's right, she burst onto the national scene with that hit, Wang Dang Doodle, and never looked back. You know, interesting, for years that was one of her crowd pleasers, traveled the world, performed that song, and people just loved Coco Taylor. The queen of the blues, as you heard Letterman say, she lived and died in Chicago after coming here from the South. Um, you know, the backstory is she cleaned houses during the week, had the dream of being a blues performer, performed on the weekends, and soon Chess Records signed her. Recorded that song and sold a million copies back then, think about that, and uh, made it to the Billboard 100. So she established herself as the queen, and that she is. Interesting to note, Bob, blues legend Buddy Guy played um, guitar on that on that record when they recorded it for chess. So they were contemporaries and, and quite close friends, too. Coco Taylor, as you say, bursting onto the blues scene with that song this week in 1966. Back to politics now for what happened this week in 1979. That that was historic, wasn't it? One more historic election. You're right, Bob, to talk about. We talked about Harold Washington making history this week, 1979. Jane Byrne was elected the city's first female mayor. 
Uh, Mayor Jane Byrne famously beat the machine by knocking out the married Richard J. Daly handpicked successor, Michael Belandic, who had fired her from her city job when she called out his backroom deals. I guess that's how it works. It's uh, legendary, though, how she faced off with the city's power players. She was in her early 40s at the time, and she stood up and she she talked back, and, and they didn't like it, the machine. Um, she had so little chance, though. This is interesting because polling wasn't what it is today. I know people criticize polling, but back then it wasn't at all what we think it is today. And so she had so little chance of beating Belandic that his team really didn't even take her seriously. I'll, I'll never forget hearing an interview with David Axelrod. He was a Cub political reporter at the Tribune at the time, and he says he always got assigned to cover the losers. So he was assigned to cover Jane Byrne. <laughs> and boy, you know, you can't forget the snow and how that helped Jane Byrne sweep into office. The blizzard of 79 and the city's bungled response. And that's all the stuff of legend. It provided an opportunity. But um, here's Jane Byrne in this interview clip talking how the snow is just sort of a symbol of the disasters within City Hall. That the city that works for you was failing to do that. And that snow removal was just one example. Here she is in 1979. It was just one thing after another. Uh, just the breakdown. It was, it, let me say, it was time for it all to break down. And it did. I am calling for, and I believe it should be done at once, a moratorium on all tickets being issued in the city of Chicago for cars that got clogged in the streets. No one could stop the snow, but good planning can prevent the collapse of public transportation and clean this city up fast. I'm Jane Byrne. I think it's time to get this city moving again. I think it's time to get Chicago working again for you. Vote for Jane Byrne in the Democratic primary. Why, well, I remember that pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. It was on the Channel 2 10 o'clock news with Bill and Walter and Michael Belandic uh, live uh, saying everything is under control now. And <laughs> it wasn't. And that played right into the hand of Jane Byrne, didn't it? It totally did, and I, I even went, went back and looked at the archive footage. I think it was from Channel 2, too, Bob, of just the Jane Byrne and the Belandic folks watching the election results coming in and the Belandic folks sweating and Mayor Jane Byrne just like, what? You know, I think, am I going to do this? Am I going to be able to do it? She, You know, <laughs> just an incredible election and a historic time in the city. And finally, we have some uh, history, Lane Tech history from this week in 1971. That's your alma mater, isn't it, Anna? I went there. Bob, as you know, and it's when they let the girls in, 1971. Thank God they did, because <laughs> I really liked going to Lane Tech, and I'm happy and very grateful for this whole thing, but uh, there were huge protests back then. You know, the, this decision to allow girls to go there was, was not, not a popular one, by, by the, certainly by the student body at the time. And, you know, remember, it started as an all-boys school in 1908. And nearly 2,000 students walked out of class when they announced the decision to let girls in. 2,000 boys got out there and they started walking down to the loop, marching and chanting uh, to the Board of Ed headquarters. According to the Tribune, they were saying, we don't want no girls at Lane. (laughs) It was like, but Bob, explain something to me. If you have an all-boys school, 6,000 boys, you don't want girls? In, yeah, you don't I, want girls? I don't understand. I don't understand that. No, I, I don't get that. And you got to remember, it's 1971, different era, but still, uh, w- what was the matter with those uh, boys in that school? <laughs> right, right. Well, exactly. They said their, their complaints, and I, I still don't get it. We're like, well, they're going to mess up our physical education programs. They're going to have to build new showers. We're going to have to share the gyms and install hair dryers. 
God, the horror of it all. <laughs> I, you know, I, I was at, I was at Roosevelt, and uh, I always thought, uh, thank goodness I'm not at Lane Tech. That would be boring. <laughs> I might have gotten better grades, though. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's interesting because I've interviewed the women over the years, the first women to attend Lane, and they said you really had to have thick skin because even after they were admitted, they weren't always warmly embraced by the student body or the, some faculty, even, you know. Hmm. But uh, they sorted things out, and I, I would guess that if you took a poll today and asked the male students of Lane Tech, are you happy there are girls here, too? They might say, yeah. I'm yeah. pretty happy it's uh, I, I think I think so. <laughs> this week in Chicago history, more next Wednesday at this time. Thank you, Anna. Thanks, Bob.